Oh, come on, we got to celebrate that again. Every life for Jesus is worth celebrating. Awesome. Well, hey, I want to say welcome to all of you in this room. I want to say welcome to those of you that will be joining us online today. My name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are incredibly honored and grateful that you're joining us as we kick off this new year, 2019. And if you don't know this, I want to give you a heads up on something. By being here today and just today, uh, we're going to give you a gift certificate. So when you walk out of this door, you're going to receive a gift certificate to a place called D1 Training, which is right around the corner. Literally, if you just walk around the corner of our building, there are neighbors over there. We've got a great relationship with those guys. That's where we do like our Trace Fit Kids over the summer. And so uh, they've decided to partner with us. We're going to give you a one-month free membership to D1. And so that includes a lot of things. You should go check that out today. Ryan, who's the general manager of D1, will be over there and available to kind of give you a tour today uh, before you leave. So you'll get that gift certificate. That's just our way of saying thank you for being here and joining us for 2019. So there you go. Hey, um, I want to get sentimental for a second. Is that okay? Can I get sentimental for a second? If you're new here, you won't have a lot of context for this, but I feel like I need to take this moment. Uh, if you don't know this, and if you weren't around, over our Christmas Eve gatherings, we had four of them, uh, we had just shy of a thousand people that came to join us for the birth, yeah, celebrate the birth of Jesus, and so... Um, I also want to say in the same breath, though, if you don't know who we are, I think it's important to make this distinction. Um, we don't, like, define ourselves by how many people come here. Like, we're not looking to be some big mega church, and so you just need to know that. But we do understand that every number has a name, every name has a story, and every one of those stories matters to God, right? Today, you're going to be counted, and when you're counted, you're not just a number, you're your name, and your name carries with it a story. You carried a story into this room with you today, and that story matters to us. And you need to know that it matters to us. But really, I want, the reason why I want to get sentimental with you is because there was a moment that happened, and I just, I just had to share this with you guys. There was a moment that happened during the 4.30 service um, when Emily and I were standing in the back, and this place was packed. We were bringing in extra chairs, and uh, there was just, it was like standing room only. And Emily and I were standing in the back, and <laughs> I just looked over at her. And again, if you don't know this, we're just a little bit over two years old as a church. And so for a 1,000 people to come and celebrate with us, like I just looked over, and I'm like, why are all these people coming to a church that we started? I mean, it really is. It's, it's tr like that is a true sentiment. It's like I can't believe what God is doing in this place. And you need to know this. If I could attribute our success to anything, if I could attribute our success to anything, it's because of the incredible people, right? A church is made up of people. It's the incredible people that God is bringing here, specifically our team, the team that I get to work with every single week, and the leaders and the volunteers. And so I just want to pause, and I want to say thank you for being a part of this. I'm absolutely honored to be a part of it myself and humbled humbled, humbled, humbled to be your leader. So can we just celebrate what God's doing in this place? <clears throat> well, today we kick off a new series called New, and I want to begin with a rhetorical question. I'm going to ask you several rhetorical questions today, and so be ready for that. And the first one sounds like this. If there were a new version of you, a better version of you, an upgraded version of you, would you be interested? Would you be interested? Now, I'm not talking about superficial things. I'm not talking about you getting that six-pack of abs that you want in the next six weeks, you know, all that ridiculous stuff. And that's okay. If you've got physical, like if you've got physical New Year's resolutions and physical goals, I get that. I do too. Um, by the time I turned, four, I turned 40 in May, which is depressing. Um, yes, yeah, I just offended somebody, didn't I? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Uh, but I've got some physical goals that I want to accomplish. I get that, but that's not what I'm talking about. If there were a new, improved version of you, not who others think you should be, not who you compare yourself to, maybe not even who you think you should be sometimes, but if there were a new improved version of you based on how God has created you uniquely to be, would you be interested? 
And that's really what I want to talk about today. And the way that I think we can actually get there is by looking at a question. And so I have a very, very clear objective for our time together today. And it will circulate around a question. A question, and I don't, I'm not saying this to over-sensationalize it, so listen to me. It's a question that I believe that can revolutionize the way that you make decisions in your life. Which would lead you, listen, to live with fewer regrets. Does that sound interesting to anybody? as we begin a new year, to live a life with fewer regrets. I mean, we all get this whole regret thing, right? I mean, some of us are already regretting some of the choices that we've made in this new year, right? You said you weren't going to have that donut, but you already picked it up. You already bypassed that workout. You said you're going to be more consistent this year, and you're like, great, I already messed up 2019, but 2020, it's going to be my year. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. But we get this. It's Those regrets, those elementary-type regrets, those aren't the regrets that most of us think about. The regrets that I'm talking about are the regrets that we walked through those doors with today that hurt a little bit more, carry a little bit more baggage, things we wish we could take back. And so whether big or small, friends, today what I want to do is I want to introduce you to a question, a question that I need you to take seriously, a question that I really need you to be honest with. And so for, in order for us to get the most out of our time today, Honesty is going to be a big part of what we need to do because I'm going to ask you several rhetorical questions today and you know, honesty is going to help us build the foundation where we don't go backwards, we only go forward. So no matter how big or small your regrets are, let's begin with this statement of truth. We, you, me, were the masterminds behind every major regret that we've ever had. Right? I mean, we're not in elementary school anymore, meaning we don't get to point to and say, he made me do it, she made me do it. No, we've got to own up to it. We were the masterminds behind every major regret that we've ever had in our life. So in order for us to build a different foundation, in order for us to go into this year maybe a little differently than we have in years in the past, I want us to focus on this subject right here, wisdom. But more specifically, I want us to focus on a question, a question that I truly believe that will help us live our lives with fewer regrets. And it's also our one thing today. What is the wise thing to do? Not what do I want to do, not even what I need to do, not what they want me to do, not what feels good, not what's going to give me instant gratification, but what is the wise thing to do? And once again, in order for us to get the most value out of our time today, we're going to have to build our conversation on honesty. We're going to have to own up to where we're at, no matter what that looks like, no matter how your, your story reads. And we're going to have to talk about and think about, man, these are the decisions I've been making in my life. And could there be, right? I mean, our decisions, we get this, our decisions make us who we are. So could there be a better refining process to the decisions we make in our life? Because, friends, ultimately, our decisions don't just affect us, do they? Our decisions affect other people. For the parents in the room, we definitely get this. Our decisions affect other people. And if we were kind of to put over here in a basket, like maybe our major regrets in life, you know what would make the top of that list? Something that required at least two people? It has something to do with sexual purity. You see, as a pastor, it's not uncommon for people that want to want to meet with me to seek out advice, but it's also not uncommon for people to want to meet with me to express or maybe confess a regret in their life. And eight out of ten times, listen to me, eight out of ten times, the regret that they're bringing into my office has something to do, it's sexual in nature to some extent. Eight out of ten times. Here's how Andy Stanley says, his nothing has stolen more dreams, 
dashed more hopes, broken up more families, and messed up more people psychologically than our propensity to disregard God's commands regarding sexual purity. Now, let me be clear. This is, a, this is not going to be a message about sexual purity, but the fact that so many of us, <clears throat> excuse me, the fact that so many of us can identify with exactly what I just said is a perfect example of why we need to be coming back to this question over and over and over and over again in our lives and answering it honestly. Because our decisions don't just affect us. And the decisions that we make oftentimes lead us to our greatest regrets. Right? I mean, I, we get this. This question, it's not rocket science. You've probably heard it before. It's a question that seems to be common sense, but why aren't we using it? If it's so common sense and it's so simple, why aren't we using it? Because, again, another statement of fact is this right here. Our greatest moral regrets were preceded by a series of unwise decisions. In other words, we haven't been using this. This hasn't been a filter. It hasn't been a refining process to the decisions that we need to make in our life. But what if it could be? What if it could be? It might not be as easy as it sounds, but we're really not talking about what's easy or what's going to be hard today. I think we all get this statement as well. The easiest thing to do is almost never the wisest thing to do. Right? Being an intentional parent and disciplining your kids when it's necessary, that may not be the easiest thing to do, but it's the wisest Having a healthy marriage and scheduling routine dates or maybe getting counseling if it's necessary, it's not the easiest thing to do, but it's the wisest. Putting a purity filter on your phone or computer if you struggle with pornography and maybe exposing your struggle to somebody else may not be the easiest thing to do, but it will be the wisest. And for those of you that are single, waiting until that right person shows up on your phone before you swipe right, it, if you didn't get that, that's a good thing. I'm going to move on. But let me talk to the single people and you're really just... Look up here, if you're single, to my single friends, don't make a compromise. Don't make a compromise. Why don't you become the person that you're looking for is looking for? And one of the best ways that you can do that is, to, is by making wise decisions, is by coming back to that question over and over and over again and answering it honestly, what's the wise thing to do? Because don't you want to end up with somebody who's looking for someone else who's wise? So why don't you become the person that you're looking for is looking for? And let me talk to the students, wherever you're at, the students in this room. The easy thing to do is just to follow the path that your friends are paving for you. That's the easy thing to do. But why don't you start following the path that Jesus and your faith is paving for you? I think we would all be able to identify with this next statement. Most of us don't sit around looking for reasons to do, to do the right thing, do we? It's the bad decisions that require creative reasoning. Here's a guess. My guess is that I really don't need to take any more time and convince you that adding wisdom into your life is going to be a beneficial thing, right? The, coming back to this question over and over again in your life is going to be beneficial. I think it's common sense. You probably get it. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, that's probably a good thing. It's probably something I should do as we go into this new year. I mean, not too many of us want to get at the end of 2019 and look back and say, I was more foolish this year, right? We, that's not what we want to do. We want to be able to look back when we're a year removed from today and we're re reflecting on 2019. We want to look back and say, I made wiser decisions about my finances, about my health, about the people that I spend time with, the people that I date, the way that I treat my spouse or my kids. You see, all of us want to follow through with the right answer and the correct answer and the honest answer to this question over and over again, which begs the question, why aren't we? Why has this become so hard? One of the trends that sociologists are noticing within the American people is that fewer and fewer Americans seem to be looking to outside sources for input or wisdom or th for things to guide their life. In other words, 
I don't need anybody else or any religion telling me how to arrive at truth. I can do that on my own. We call this postmodern thinking. And before you dismiss yourself to think, oh, yeah, yeah, but that's not me, can I just ask you a really honest question this morning? When was the last time that you sought out feedback? When was the last time that you kind of know, you know, found somebody, noticed somebody that probably have, has lived a little bit more life than you? In other words, they had some experienced wisdom, but maybe even further along in their faith and sat, sat down with them and said, hey, can I take you to lunch? Can I take you to coffee? And just allowed them to speak into your life. When was the last time you sought out counsel? See, one of the reasons why I think so many of us, myself included, are walking around with so many regrets is because we haven't made this a refining process of our lives. We haven't used wisdom as our guide. I want to share with you a proverb that very much speaks into what we're talking about right now. It's one of the most popular proverbs, and probably because we've needed to go back to it over and over again. Here's how it reads. It says, Trust in the Lord, not in yourself, not in the world, not in your friends, but trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and do not depend on your own understanding. Can I pause there for a second and confess to you today that I have trouble with this sometimes? You see, I'm, I've lived enough life up till now where I've overcome a lot of trials and tribulations. I've navigated some very difficult situations in my life, and I guess I could say that I've acquired a, a certain amount of success. And so sometimes what happens is when I start to take my eyes off of Jesus just slightly, I start to depend on my own understanding. I got this. I got this. Maybe some of you could identify with that. So I've got to be careful with that. I call it a flesh fallback. When I start to live too much for Aaron and less for Jesus, I start leaning too much on my own understanding. Here's how he finishes. Seek his will in all you do, and he will make your path. Oh, I'm saying it different. That's a different version. And he will show you which path to take. Another version says, and he will make your path straight. Let me ask you another rhetorical question. And remember, it's incredibly important that we continue to build our conversation today on truth because it's going to give us a foundation to move forward and not backwards. Are you depending too much on your own understanding? Just answer honestly in your mind right now. Are you depending too much on your own understanding? Because some of us are. Some of us are leaning too heavily on our own wisdom. I got this. I got this. I don't need any help. But some of us, others, maybe we're leaning too much on worldly wisdom. And what happens is we start to observe what seems to be normal around us, even within the Christian culture, sometimes. And we start noticing what's normal around us. And it's like, well, I guess that's not that big of a deal then. I guess... I'll just kind of go with the current of culture. But then we live with more regret. Maybe for you, it's, and I'm going to get real, <laughs> real quick this morning. Oh, man, I want to watch that new Netflix series. And I know that that one person who said, and I'm pretty sure they're a Christian, they said they watch it, and that one person, yeah, they're a Christian, so they watch it, so it must not be that bad, but you know it's inappropriate. You know it's something that God doesn't want you to see. We've all been there. I'm not trying to give anybody a guilt trip. I'm just trying, for, I'm trying to build, a, build something with you. And I want us to build a foundation of honesty. Friends, anything outside of godly wisdom is going to be subjective. It's going to be tainted. And so our pursuit is not wisdom that comes from this world. It's not wisdom that comes from ourselves or our friends. It's wisdom that comes from God. Here's how James describes wisdom that comes from God. But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. Let's stop there for a second. Pure means it's untainted. There's no subjectivity to it. It's absolutely pure. It's something that you can rely on. It comes from God, not from the opinions of this world. That's important. But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It's also peace-loving and gentle at times and willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere, friends. That is the filter 
in which we use when we come back to the question over and over and over again, what is the wise thing to do? That doesn't mean your wisdom. It doesn't mean the wisdom that you think comes from this world. It doesn't mean what you see happening around you. It's the only wisdom that is pure, and it comes from above. Now, I want to shift a little bit to take us in a di- different direction to build a case for something that I think it's also, also going to be very important. So we're going to shift. So everybody say, shift happens. I can't believe you just said that, guys. You so here's what I want to do. I want to build a case for something, and to do this, I want to use a decent chunk of Scripture. It's going to come out of the Sermon, of, in the Sermon on the Mount. And so if you have your Bibles with you today, feel free to open up to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to begin in verse 25. You can open them up, turn them on, however you read your Bible, or you can follow along on the screens. And you're going to see the point that I want to build off of is going to come from the very first sentence. And so Jesus starts like this. He says, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Pause. I need everybody, we're a participatory church. Everybody look up here. How many of you want to worry less in 2019? Come on, seriously, put them up there. If, you're, if that's you, how many want to worry less in 2019? So this is one of those areas where most of us are like the rest of us. And so what Jesus says next is going to build a case, and you're going to see here in just a few moments how worry and wisdom actually come together, and something incredible is going to happen. So let's read this together. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon... And all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. So why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying what we will eat or what we will drink or what we will wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Here it is. So seek first. Seek first. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. In other words, live the way that Jesus did. You're going to mess up at it, but keep trying to live the way that Jesus did. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Another rhetorical question. This one's big. We're building something. Have you ever pursued the kingdom of God above all else? Like, really, just be honest with yourself. I'm not trying to, no guilt trips today. Just want you to be honest with yourself. Have you ever pursued the kingdom of God above all else? That means relationally, that means financially, that means emotionally, that means in all things spiritual. Because I really do believe that when we seek the kingdom of God above all else, we will naturally, naturally fall back on this question in how we live our day-to-day lives. What is the wise thing to do? Hold that thought. When I was 19 years old, I ended up in a jail cell. I had two DUIs, possession of marijuana, drug paraphernalia, concealed deadly weapon, attempt to elude an officer. And I remember sitting in that jail cell and thinking to myself, my life is a disaster. My life is a disaster. And you're talking about regrets? I didn't know where my life was headed, but here's what I knew. Based on the decisions that I'm making in my life right now, these are the kind of places that I can expect to end up. So Aaron, do you want something different? And I did. And I always believed in Jesus, I just didn't follow him. Maybe that's where some of you 
find yourself today. And so I had this very real conversation with God. And even though I wouldn't have described it this way then, this is how I would describe it now, there was a moment where I'm like, God, I want to seek your kingdom first. I want to stop living and making my decisions based on the things that I want out of this life. Things that give me instant gratification. Things that give me what I want in this moment. And I want to start putting your will for my life and your kingdom above all else. And I've been doing that and failing at it for the last 20 plus years. But here's something that I need you to see, especially for those of you that really are plagued by worry. The more that I've continued to pursue the kingdom of God above all else, the more this statement becomes true in my life. The more that I understand that the wisdom that can only come from God, the only kind of wisdom that comes from above, has the power to overthrow your worry. Wisdom has the power to remove your worry. You see, friends, we typically lead our lives and ourselves towards the things that we want the most. Right? Jesus was kind of alluding to this. Material possessions, how we look, how others perceive us, different things that offer pleasure. But if we want to live a life full of wisdom and less worry, if we want to live a life that seeks first the kingdom of God, then 2019 can't just be another year where we pursued what we wanted the most. But instead, it has to become the year where we pursue what we value the most. You know what I want? Again, let's be honest. I mean, we all have things we want. You know what I want this year? I want a truck. I want a new tattoo that'll cost me about $1,000. I want my kids to start going to bed on time. I want the new Apple Watch. I want the new Apple phone. It's not even out yet, but I still want it. I want it. I want to go to Pueblo, Colorado for vacation. (laughs) Said no one ever. (laughs) If you're from Pueblo, we love you, I promise. All kidding aside, you know what I need? I need more of Jesus in everything I do. I need his patience. I need his power. I need his peace. I need his perseverance, the kind that comes from above. If I'm going to lead this church into the future in the way that God wants me to, I need his wisdom. And the only way that I think we have access to that is when we seek the kingdom of God above all else. So what if, guys, What if we went into this new year differently? What if we went into this new year with the backbone of wisdom, of filtering everything that we do through that question? What if we made this statement, a key foundational statement for our lives, that we're going to prioritize our lives based on what we value the most versus what we want the most? Because I think if we'll do this, if we will prioritize our life by seeking the kingdom of God above all else, and we keep coming back to this question over and over again and answering it honestly, I think it's going to lead us to a life with fewer regrets. I think it's going to lead us to a life that's more full of wisdom and better decisions. I think it's going to lead us to a life of less worry. Does that sound good to anybody else in 2019? I think this has the ability to give you a new, upgraded life. Let me end by showing you something that one of the wisest men who ever lived said, something he said right here. Solomon said, don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Love her, and she will guard you, because getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. Friends, let's pursue 2019 with a backbone of wisdom. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning, and thank you for 
how you're showing up in our lives. And God, we need your help. Like, we get this. Like, the reason we're having this conversation today is not because these things are easy. It's because we need your help. All of us are walking around with regrets, and it's because we really haven't had a refinement process with how we've made, you know, big future decisions for our lives. And so, God, I pray that you come alongside of us, that you drill this question into our minds to the point that it plagues us, and that every decision that's in front of us, we take it through this refinement process of what is the wise thing to do, not what do I want to do, <clears throat> not what do they want me to do, not what, do, you know, what feels good, what's going to give me instant gratification, but God, what is the wise thing to do? And Father, I know we all agree that if we will do this, it's going to lead us to a life of fewer regrets. I think all of us would agree this is how we would love to end the year of 2019, looking back saying we have become people more full of wisdom the wisdom that can only come from above. So God, would you help us? Because we need it. We need your help. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.